As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. Michael Adams from the Forgotten Australia podcast is back with another historical Australian crime. It's the story of the pay car ambush of 1941. And if you don't know what a pay car is or was, 
then you're not alone. We didn't either, but we have some photos on our Facebook and Instagram for you. It's adorable, but you won't believe what it was used for. Michael will explain, of course, but as you know, what tends to shock us most when he brings us these incredible, bizarre and often brutal true crime stories from Australia's past is how on earth they've been forgotten. Well, at least this time, in the case of the Paycar ambush of 1941, there's a reasonable explanation for that. We'll let Michael explain. It had the, I guess, the bad fortune to happen on the morning of December 8, 1941. Just across the international date line at Hawaii, the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor and the Japanese had also invaded Malaya and sunk British ships off Singapore. That morning, Australians woke up to the news on the radio that Britain was at war with Japan. Australia was also in name and would very soon be officially at war. So that was pretty much what was happening on December 8, 1941. People were going to work, including three men who worked on Paycar 155 on the New South Wales State Railways. So a Paycar is, imagine a a small-scale school bus, like you might see in an American movie, you know, maybe 25 feet long, except its wheels have steel flanges. It's actually on on train tracks. So it, it runs up and down the train lines. And these were used in New South Wales to deliver pay to rail workers. And they were manned by three people. There was a driver, a guard, and the paymaster. So these three guys, they were all in their 50s. They were all married. They all had children, said goodbye to their wives, got onto their pay car, and off they went. And they had a a safe, a steel safe welded to the chassis. And in this safe on that morning, they had 11,232 pounds, which in modern dollars is a million bucks. These guys are driving the pay car towards Goulburn. At Picton, uh, southwest of Sydney, they were delayed for about 10 minutes because there was a special troop train on the line ahead of them, and it was heading south. So the pay car was running 10 minutes behind schedule. It got to a little tiny stop called Yandera at 11.35, and Yandera is just like a little one-horse town, sort of 100 miles uh, southwest of Sydney. And they paid out the one station master there, and then their next stop was Yerenbull, which was a couple of miles down the track. So they're 10 minutes behind schedule. They're going around this sort of bush curve up on an embankment, and boom, their entire world explodes. There was a driver coming the other way. His name was John Gersback, and he was the driver of a locomotive. And what he saw as he was coming north was a massive pall of smoke. And then coming to a stop, he saw the pay car down the embankment, completely shattered. And there were two men down there crouching. And he pulled up his locomotive and his guard and his fireman saw these guys stand up. He saw one of them directly. And then these guys bolted. They bolted up the embankment, along the embankment, down the side of the embankment. One of them tumbled and fell, rolled all the way to the bottom over sort of sticks and stones and the rest of it. That guy bounced to his feet and these two guys bolted into the bush. They were between 30 to 40. They were described as being quote unquote foreign, which meant sort of, you know, Italian looking, I guess, dark hair. Uh, They were very tanned. They were medium build. Um, They were both wearing khaki shorts and uh, sleeveless shirts. These crew ran down to the pay car. 15 yards further down the embankment, they saw the driver, George Randall. He was dead. One of his legs had been blown off. 
He'd clearly been uh, thrown clear of the wreckage. The noise of the explosion had travelled for miles, so railway workers from all over were running towards the scene. When they got there, they couldn't actually use their oxy-welders to do anything because of all the petrol, so they had to try and get the guys out, but the guys were trapped. So both of them were conscious but unable to speak. The ambulance was on the scene within 20 minutes. A doctor was on his way. They did their best for the men at the scene. They managed to get both of them out of the wreckage. Philpot bled out, died as the doctor arrived at 1.30. Fred Walker was taken to the hospital. Uh, he had a fractured skull, severe head injuries. Both of his legs were broken and lots of other severe injuries as well. Was it sabotage? That was the first question. Was this the first actual blow that the Japanese or Germans had struck on, on Australian soil? That was the initial question, especially as the troop train had passed over that point 10 minutes earlier, a train loaded with soldiers. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So the police from Sydney and the local cops, they examine the scene. They work out that, you know, the explosives have been placed underneath the railway tracks, dug into the ground. A cord had gone down the hill to a detonator behind a log. So that's where the bombers had actually hit out. 
One cop said they'd used enough to blow up the side of a mountain. But what they determined was, you know, there was no way they could have planted these explosives, etc., between the time of the troop car passing by and the troop train was unscheduled. The pay car was running to a timetable. They had clearly had the explosives in place when the troop train went over it, which, you know, God forbid it had gone off accidentally, mm. but it made it quite clear that the target was the pay car. So it hadn't been sabotage. They'd wanted the money. So the police would determine a little bit later, they found two, two metal discs they couldn't explain. So they presumed they'd come from the explosive and they would actually reconstruct the explosive as they believed it had been built. And it was they were basically improvised explosive devices, kind of like big pipe bombs, huge pipe bombs. So the police would actually circulate that imagery and they'd talk to engineers, people with lathes, and they tracked down the owner of every lathe in New South Wales to see if they could find out you know, where these things had been fabricated. They also would find cotton wool on the uh, detonator cord and there was coal dust on it. So they also went to every colliery suspecting that you know this had been a place where the gelignite had been obtained. I think they interviewed like 6,500 people. Um, so that was all in the future, though. In these initial days, what they had were the descriptions of the guys and you know the fact that two men were dead and another one was you know terribly, terribly injured in Barrel Hospital. So the police, you know, issued the description of these guys and the circumstances. So you know, in a case like this, obviously, for the police to have any chance of success, they need the cooperation of the public. On any other day, this pay car ambush would have been front page news, but it was buried back in the paper. Everybody else is talking about Pearl Harbor and everything else. The police and the New South Wales Railways put up a 1,500 pound reward, which was humongous. Sadly, on the, the day afterwards at 4am, Fred Walker, he also died. So it was three for three. So this was a triple murder. Another guy at the time came forward to say he'd seen four people, two men, two women, hitchhiking about four or five days earlier. The descriptions of the men matched the descriptions given by the, the railway driver. But, you know, it just went nowhere. It just went nowhere. There were 200 cops on the case sort of within a week. They searched as far down as the uh, Victorian border. They thought they might be holed up in a cave in the bush waiting for the heat to die down. But eventually... It just petered out. The reason that they'd actually started using these pay buses, pay cars, was because of the fear of train robbery. In 1930, there'd been the Mudgy Mail Train robbery in the Blue Mountains at Glenbrook. The thieves had gotten onto the train with a revolver, stuck up the guard, and they'd made off with £18,000 in, in cash and, and checks, a fortune. The next year in 1931, there'd been the Canberra Mail robbery, which was basically a guy with £10,000, a guard, who put it down on a, a platform at Queanbeyan, turned around, picked up the bag, and when he got to Canberra, found the bags had been switched, and his, his bag was full of like scraps of paper and rubber. They arrested a crook in these cases. His name was George Morris. And George was found with £7,600 on his farm in Western Sydney. He confessed to having been in on the mail train robberies, both of them, but he turns King's evidence, so he gets a, a free pass. Now, there was another guy called Lionel Charles Thomas, a.k.a. Thomas Edward Croft, but he'd been convicted of a violent robbery in Sydney, and he was suspected of far worse in Melbourne, and that included a murder in 1934 of a railway station master, during a botched robbery. And Lionel 
Charles Thomas, a.k.a. Thomas Croft, his father was a veteran railway worker, so he knew a lot about rail activities and procedures. Further, Lionel had been released from Pentridge after serving two years for another break and enter, and he'd been released in July of 1941, and he hadn't been heard of since. He'd been in jail prior to that for eight of ten years, but this guy was all of a sudden nowhere to be found. Lionel would also have been someone they really wanted to talk to. But, you know, as it turned out, they didn't get anywhere, the cops. Then in March of 1944, George Morris, who was just about to face court on a £2,000 safe-cracking charge, was lured out and was gunned down in Sydney. He was shot 12 times by two different gunmen. They really wanted this guy dead. And it was reported that George Morris had been about to talk about who was involved in the Yandera pay car case. In 1948, a bushwalker around Yandera found a cave, and inside the cave, there were coin bags, skeleton keys, a rag with blood on it, an envelope with Yandera stamped on it, dated 1941, and a railway detonator. Now, there was also Japanese coins, a 22 caliber bullet, a stamp from 1942. Seven years after the Paykar massacre, it was finally front page. However, the police, after a couple of days, said, nah, it's a hoax. The police said that there was evidence the items had only just been put there. So it's really strange to me that a bushwalker should happen to walk into this cave. His dog had actually run in there and he'd followed his dog in there, find all this stuff that had just happened to have been placed there by pranksters like days earlier. And to what end? To what end, exactly. But anyway, the cops said no, it had nothing to do with it. It wasn't actually evidence, which I find pretty hard to believe. So I do think that the cops were kind of just, you know, dismissing it. Maybe it was just too hard basket. In any event, we, you know, the case goes completely quiet again until April 1951. And then April 1951, the police say they knew who did it all along. They'd never had enough evidence to charge him. But now they could finally reveal one of the perpetrators of this horrific triple murder and that was Lionel Charles Thomas. He'd been their number one suspect all along. So that made me wonder, who is Lionel Charles Thomas? And were they right? We'll pick up the sordid story of Lionel Charles Thomas in the next episode of Australian True Crime with our guest Michael Adams from the Forgotten Australia podcast. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. 
Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.